Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. It's time for the Victory Formation Sports Show, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Bringing you all things Louisville and everything in between. We've got a Louisville legend, the greatest player to ever play for the University of Louisville, Mr. Daryl Griffin Sr. Griff, how's it going, sir? Good, man. We got a special guest in the building today. He is Mr. Peyton Siva. Siva, how's it going, sir? I'm good, man. Thank you guys for having me today. We've got two very special guests with me right now. We've got Trenton Flowers and his father, Travis Flowers. How are you doing, gentlemen? I'm doing amazing. With the passion for sports, meets the airwaves. We've got a lot to discuss. Name me the five coaches in the ACC better than Jeff Brown. That is why you brought in KP. And so when you only win four games, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Give the show a call at 502-8150-939. Now, here's your host, Jeff Lightsey Jr. Ah, yes, yes, yes. We are here once again on another beautiful Saturday right here on the Victory Formation Sports Show on 93.9 The Ville. Jeff Lightsey Jr. here with James Black, Mr. MVP. James Black in the booth, the producer of the year, the Mr. Do Everything Around ESPN Louisville. That is James Black. If you don't know what, what up, I'm, Jeff? Yeah, if you don't know what I'm referring to, we had a nice company party last night and Mr. Old James Black, our producer here, he does a lot of work. Obviously, he did the dinner show for a long time. He does James Strebel's show, the round table, and of course this show. He does everything and everything that you don't see. <laughs> Program director, everything that you don't see behind the, you know, behind the scenes here at ESPN Louisville. James handles it and he rightfully so won MVP. So any words, Mr. MVP? We didn't let you give a speech last night, but you got any words on winning? Yeah, they, they know I'm not going to say much. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> But that's all we need, man. Congrats, James, man, on winning that. And speaking of winning, we're trying to get back in the winning column for the Louisville basketball team. You have Louisville basketball that's looking to get back in the winning column. You have Louisville women's basketball that continues to win. We've got Super Bowl tomorrow. It is Super Bowl week. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl teams, the teams playing in the Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs, the 49ers. And you guys know I love me some boxing. And so we've got some animosity brewing between between Ryan Garcia and the undisputed champ, Devin Haney, looking like they're going to get together on a welterweight bout on April 20th. We've got all of that right here on the Victory Formation Sports Show. Oh, and Merrill Hodge is making some draft predictions. If you don't know, Merrill Hodge used to work at ESPN. He's a, used to play college football, played in the NFL at running back, and he's really, really good at evaluating talent. Like, he's hit it spot on with going all the way back with Jadavion Clowney and Johnny Manziel, and he's got some interesting comments on one Caleb Williams. But before we get into all of that, we have a basketball game that was played this week. Louisville men's basketball took on Syracuse. The Cuse 
Syracuse. They went down, uh, went up to Syracuse, North, uh, New York, and they played a hard-fought game. They fought, they fought, they fought. Regardless of the fight, they came away with the 94-92 loss after a controversial goaltending call that was made on the court, reviewed, and stood. Okay, so there's there's multiple layers here. There's, there's so many things going on here. One, Louisville was up six, what I think about three minutes left in the game. So you you lost the lead. And let's let's put this out there. Let's be very, very frank before I get into deep diving of the game and then looking forward to tonight's game against Georgia Tech, another very winnable game. Syracuse stinks. <laughs> like, like let's call it what it is. If you were watching that game, you understand, like, hey, we may be bad. We've accepted the fact that we're not very good. We've accepted the fact that we can't play any defense. We've accepted the fact that a lot of you all believe that our coach is a lame duck coach, meaning he won't be here this time next year. He won't be here at the start of next season. Like, we've accepted all of those facts. All of them. Every single one. Every single one. But Syracuse got a new head coach. Syracuse came into the game 14-6. Syracuse has a winning record. Syracuse, now granted, and I was like, dang, people saying they're a bubble team? Like, they're 14-6? I hadn't seen a second of Syracuse play basketball this year. And then I watched that game. I said, oh, this is not a tournament team. These dudes stink. <laughs> like, these dudes suck, right? They stink, and they're and they're in a dogfight with a team that record-wise does stink. It's just us, 7-15, and 15, going into the game. And after all of that, it still feels like you got robbed. Whether you did or not, it feels like you got robbed. Well, Jeff, why does it feel like you got robbed? You know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so let's let's just skip fast forward the whole game. All the way up into the that final possession. Sky Clark hits the three, the shot of his career up until this point, I'll say. It's probably the biggest shot he's ever made, at least as a collegiate basketball player. He hits it. I couldn't believe he hit it. Down 89-92, he hits a three to tie the ball game with like 30, 20-something seconds, 15 seconds left. I don't know what the time was. But instead of everybody getting back, this is the sign of bad teams. This is what bad teams do. Our guys, instead of sprinting back, you have a couple of backpedaling, a couple of celebrating, like a couple of just doing everything what you're supposed to be doing, which is get back, get back, get back. And Syracuse, now once again, let's not forget, they're not a very good team. So they initially, they're just inbounding the ball. But then they realize, oh, there's no one from Louisville protecting the rim. There's no one from Louisville back on defense. So Buddy gets all the way to the rim. He gets fouled by Brandon. Let's let's put it let's put it out there. He gets fouled by Brandon. It's not called. It's okay. Gets fouled. Throws him off as he goes up for the layup and Caleb swats it. Moves it. Never touches the backboard. It's still going up. It's ascending, not descending. It never got over the rim. It's going up towards the rim and never touches the backboard. Never touches the rim. And Caleb, Caleb swats it. Block. Now, you could say, well, Jeff. And they called a goaltending. They blew the whistle called goaltending initially. Now, when you looking at it, if there's like, well, Jeff, if they never make the goaltending call, dude from Syracuse, because Louisville still isn't back. And they so they're not making a play on the re, you know, making a play on the ball for a rebound. They're not back. It's like, well, Jeff, they're not back. And so he gets the put back and it's a two, it's two points. That's true. That's not what happened, though. It's not what happened. What happened was Caleb made a clean block. They called goaltending. They went to review said call. Now, here's the thing. I'm watching it. A lot of times I don't have the sound on when I'm watching the games. 
So I like listen to music, do whatever podcast, whatever. So when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, they're not reviewing goaltending. They gotta. This had to be a foul that was called. I'm assuming that they called a foul. I was like, dang it, we just fouled. And then I was like, oh, there's no. I, I cut my stuff off, cut the sound. I was like, oh, it's not a foul. They're reviewing goaltending. Oh, we good. We good. Like I knew we were good because I'm watching. I was like, that was clean. I saw it was clean live. I was like, that's not a. That's not goaltending. And then they come back and they rule it in favor of Syracuse. And in my mind, the only reason why they ruled it in favor of Syracuse because it's clear as day when you watch the replay that it wasn't a goaltend. You only ruled it in favor of Syracuse because you know you made the bad call. And if you let it play out, they score that basket, they're up two points anyway. That's what I think. That's what I think. Now, regardless of what I think, that isn't in the rule book. <laughs> like, like, that's not how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to be if you call a dead ball, review a play, you have to make the proper call, not the call based on what would have happened, what could have happened, what should have happened, blah, blah, blah. No. You review the play to make the right call. Point blank, period. You review the play to make the right call. And when you review the play and still make the blatantly obvious wrong call, that's a problem. That that's a problem. I'ma just be honest, like, like whether I don't care if this team was one in one in fifteen or, or one in thirty. You gotta make the right call. Now, granted, it's it's controversial who would have had the ball. Because the possession arrow was in favor of Louisville. So if you go based off the possession arrow, Louisville would have had the ball with about 3.8 seconds. If you go off the last team who had technically had possession when the whistle was blown, I guess that would have been Syracuse. My, I'm of the belief, this is just, and Luke Hancock actually put this out there on his social media, I'm of the belief that when the ball was, when the whistle was blown, no one had possession because the whistle was blown on a goaltend. Now, if you're saying, because the whistle was blown on the goaltend, meaning it was a block, goaltend, that's no possession, that you go to the possession arrow. That's what I believe. Now, if you want to say the whistle was blown and then Syracuse got the putback, that's different. The whistle had already been blown by the time the guy from Syracuse got the putback. So, so that's null and void to me, just how I interpret the rules. That part is null and void because he gets the rebound after and the putback after the whistle was blown. Now, let's talk about the actual game. There's a lot going on in this game. One, Sky Clark coming off the bench, I think, benefits this team. This, this, these are the, like, the nuts and bolts of what's taking place. Tyler Johnson is your best playmaker. Tyler Johnson makes things happen no one else on this team can do. And this is kind of the issue that you run into when you only have one true point guard and that one true point guard is a true freshman because Tyler Johnson still does freshman stuff. You know, he still does freshman stuff. Some of those fouls on Judah Mintz were, they were just, a, 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 a even though Judah Mintz is only a sophomore, it was just a more experienced, veteran, bigger player making an, a more experienced, smarter, bigger play on a smaller player. Because some of those fouls, Tyler Johnson ended up fouling, fouling out of that game. It was based on just Judah Mintz being bigger. Just shooting over top of him, flailing his legs, flailing his arms. And Tyler, instead of just doing a basic contest, is going up under him because he's smaller. Going up under him, both hands up. And when, when Judah does all the flailing, he's going to get the call. 
They gave it to him every time. Every single time. The man shot 15 free throws by himself. Judah Mintz shot 15 free throws by himself. The only thing is, like I said, Syracuse stinks. So even though he shot those free throws, they missed a ton. They missed a whole bunch of free throws. That's what kept us in the game, <laughs> we're just being honest. Syracuse missing all of those free throws. Between Judah Mintz, the big 6'6 guard that was, you know, like the Harlem Globetrotters out there at times. And then, of course, you had a young man that hit eight threes. That can't happen. I'm sorry, but Trey White and Mike James' defenders are horrible. I mean, they are horrible. We play terrible, terrible defense at times. And this isn't nothing new. We we haven't played very good defense all year. Because even in the games that we've won, shoot, in the games that we almost won, Syracuse, in the last game that we won, Florida State, those teams are averaging 93 points in those two contests. <laughs> Florida State scored 92. We won 101 to 92. And Syracuse scored 94 points. And those are two bad teams. Let's just put it out there. Syracuse stinks. Florida State is not good. And they average 93 points. Now, Georgia Tech is the team we'll be playing tonight. They aren't very good either record-wise, but they have some huge wins. Like, huge wins. Wins over Duke and North Carolina. I don't know when's the last time Georgia Tech had two wins over Duke and North Carolina in the same season. I don't know when the last time that happened. Like, that never happens in basketball. And so I'm saying all that to say there are signs of life. And here's the thing. Going back to the Syracuse game, you can be upset about the the questionable goaltending call. It's okay to be upset about that because it shows that you still care. Whether you're a, a, a Kenny Payne guy or not, whether you think he's coming back for year three or not, it doesn't matter. You still care about Louisville athletics, right? You still care about Louisville basketball, right? So it's okay to be upset when a bad call is made because that was a bad call. To go to call it goaltending on the floor, go and review it and look at the same replays we can look at at home and still determine that that was a block, You should that is, that is refereeing malpractice. You should be stripped of all refing duties, period. Because there's no way you can look at that same replay that I looked at, that you looked at, that the whole country that is watching, everybody that's watching this game looked at and say, oh, yeah, that was still a goaltending. Oh, yeah, that was that was goaltending. I love the fact that when it first happened, Caleb, when they called goaltending, he's like, what? Goaltending? That man started waving his fingers round and round uh, like he was uh, Arsenio at the Arsenio Hall show. You know, woo, woo, woo. Man, Caleb was waving that finger, meaning go replay the heck out of that because I know it ain't no goaltending. I know I got it clean. And guess what, Caleb? I was doing the same thing at home. I thought I was in the crowd at Arsenio because there's <laughs> – I mean, come on. We ACC, come on, man. Come on, man. Now, I get it for the people that want to pile on. And if you want, see, here's the thing. And this is the thing about losing this. I, I said this last week and I'll say you're going to get a case of it every single time your team takes the court. Losing stinks because it makes your own fans delusional. It makes your own fans and losing and people wanting a change makes people crazy. Right. By wanting a change, I mean the coaching change, because you there's 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 delusion even in our fan base. There are fans sitting here saying 
that, well, it wouldn't have mattered. No, it would have mattered. But because we've lost so much over the last two years that they just want to lose. I, I've, t I've said it many times on these here airwaves. There are Louisville fans rooting against Louisville. And that is why there are Louisville fans saying it wouldn't have mattered whether they called goaltending or not. He had the putback. That's not what the series of events that happened. They called goaltending. It's a dead ball. And whether you give the ball to us, which I think it should have went to us, or to Syracuse, Syracuse has to execute a play under their rim, 3.8 seconds. They have to make a shot. And they had, I mean, even though they had 94 points or 90 in the game, they weren't the best, unless, unless you just give Buddy, who hit eight threes, a wide open three. But make them make that shot. Just like Sky Clark had to come down and make his shot, his three pointer, both the one to tie and he missed the one uh, to win the game. Make them make that shot. Don't just give them the game. And like I said, the delusion and the losing and the suffering and just all the bad stuff makes our own fan base delusional. Makes them make excuses for a bad call. How can you, as a Louisville fan, make an excuse and say that call wouldn't have mattered or that call doesn't matter or blah, 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 just because you don't like the coach, just because you don't like the staff, just because you don't like the way this season is going? No, that call does matter. Losing still stinks, even if you've done a ton of it. It doesn't make it any better, especially not at a place like this. And so that's my only thing. It's like you have infighting because things are so bad. And this is why having such terrible seasons both last year and this year sucks. It sucks because you see people that you know care about Louisville actually rooting against Louisville. That hurts, dog. Because here's the thing about Louisville fans. It's basketball, football, just Louisville fans in general. It ain't a lot of us. Like, it just ain't a lot of us. And so to have the few of us that it is, meaning we don't, and when I say it's not a lot of us, it's not that I'm saying Louisville ain't got no fans. Trust me. We, we got a seat, an arena that seats 22,000. There's a reason why they built a 22,000-seat arena. It's not just because nobody's showing up to games, well, at least in the past. Like, we have fans. We just don't have national fan bases, meaning you can't. It's not a lot of times you can go to Arizona and see a Louisville fan. You can go to Arizona and run into a UK fan, a Duke fan, at least some basketball, uh, an Alabama football fan, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, but there's not a lot of just Louisville diehard core fans. And I'm watching guys that I know, gals that I know, people infighting, and it ain't that many of us, y'all. And so we have to put up a united front. When a bad call goes bad, I don't care if you don't like KP and his staff. I don't care if you don't like Nolan or don't like a few players on this team. We're still Louisville people. We're still Louisville fans. It ain't that many of us. And so when a bad call like that, a blatantly bad call like that happens, we have to have a united front. We do. We do. And even if it's for the next five weeks, six weeks, or whatever, we got to come together, gang. Like, look, I'm calling a town hall meeting. This is, this is before this Georgia Tech game. If there is a bad call tonight against Damon Stoudemire and this Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, if there is a bad call, we all need to put up a united front. We all need to say, that was a BS call. Now, this game is at home, so hopefully <laughs> we get a little bit of home cooking, like how Syracuse got on that goaltending call. But regardless, united front guys united it means all together it means all together one thing i do want to talk about 
when it comes to this Louisville basketball team is that I love the evolution of Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Have you guys really like paid attention to how good he is playing right now? Like this young man is playing like the five-star kid that was top 20 in the country coming out of high school that everybody thought he would be. He's literally, I mean, this man hit with three or four threes against Syracuse. This man had four threes the whole year going into the Syracuse game. Four. Hit three in that game alone. Brandon is turning into a monster right before our, our eyes and is making himself a whole lot of money. Now, I haven't entertained a lot of the coaching stuff here on this show, and I know other shows dive into potential coaching candidates and this and that and all of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm not there just yet. I, I'll get there when we make a change. Regardless, Brandon is making himself a whole lot of money. And what I mean by making himself money is whether he wants to go pro, transfer, or if he decides to stay here through whatever happens. He's making himself some money because that type of play will work anywhere. That type of play, and he's saving his best for conference play. Now, you can say the ACC is down. You can say the ACC isn't as good as it normally is in years past. Regardless, that type of play and being 6'10", 6'11", stepping out to the three-pointer, being able to score on the low block, hit mid-range jump shots, and now extending to the three-pointer, oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work whether it's year three. That'll work if it's a new coach. That'll work if you want to transfer and, and replace a Hunter Dickinson or Armando Baycock or whoever. Or that'll work if you decide I want to test the waters and go pro. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah, yeah, I, I think and, and now his motor. See, the thing about Brandon, who used to make me mad a lot last year, is that I didn't always see the motor. I felt like at times, you know, he took plays off. I think I felt like at times he deferred too much. I felt like at times he, he kind of disappeared. You know, kind of disappeared. He did disappear. He would disappear during long stretches of games and games at a time. He would disappear during the game, and then he would disappear for games. And it's like, what's going on, bro? Like, come on. Like, I get it. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, people always say stars don't matter. No, I, I like stars. Stars matter to me. I mean, because the teams with the most stars, especially in football, typically win. Like, look at Michigan's roster. Littered with four and five stars. Look at Alabama roster. All them championships Nick Saban won wasn't because he didn't have zero star players. He had a bunch of five-star guys that end up playing in the NFL. It's Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, Marlon Humphrey, Bryce Young, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley. I could keep going. So stars matter, at least to me. And so what Brandon having a five-star is it doesn't always matter. But having the five stars mean the the talent evaluators saw him against other guys that they ranked really high. Other guys who Brandon's, you know, he's three years into college now. So a lot of those guys are in the NBA. Some of them are in their second or third year in the NBA. He saw They saw him go against those guys and said he can hold his own. Heck, he's better than some of them. And so that talent is there. And now just for some people, it, it takes time to adjust to the next level. So for him, the next level was college, and it's looking like he's adjusted. It's looking like he's got this game. It's looking like he knows what he is doing, and he's finally, finally finding his rhythm. He's making himself some money. He's making himself some money. Once again, whether it's here, trust me, he dropped his NIL a store this week. 
Guapavelli is his name, and he dropped his, his merch on his NIL store. Yeah, people's picking that up. The 502 circle, yeah, they're going to take care of him if he decides to stay here. And if he decides to move on, whether it's somewhere else, they're going to make sure he's paid too. And they're going to take care of him. Let me just give you some numbers. Hunter Dickinson left Michigan, went to Kansas. He had like $3 million to go to Kansas. One player, $3 million. Now, I'm not saying Brandon is Hunter Dickinson. I'm not saying Brandon will get $3 million. He's going to get some money, though. I, 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 I'll take half of that. <laughs> I'll take 1.5. I'll take a piece of that at a half a ticket, 500, 500K, 70, you know, 750. I'll take that. It's pretty nice at 22 years old, 23 years old. It's not bad. And so, yeah, shout out to Brandon, man. I really like what I'm seeing from him. And I think if he continues to play this way, like I said, he he's just helping himself. The team, the team itself, because that's just one individual. The team itself, it, it will, I mean, it just won't improve if you just can't guard anybody. I mean, it's just that simple. Like you can score all the points in the world. If you can't guard anybody, you're allowing a guy who really not that good of a three-point shooter hit eight threes on you. You continue to allow wide open shots and then get and then with Syracuse, you got to fouling a lot. Judah Mintz and Starling and all these guys end up at the free throw line a ton of times. A bunch of your guys fouling out. Mike James fouling out. Just and, and some of the fouls are just bad. Just dumb. Mike James' last foul, his fifth foul was bad. It was a bad, dumb foul. Tyler, some of his fouls are just dumb. Just doing too much. Just settle down, guys. Settle down. And you can say all of that falls on coaching, but some of that falls on these guys, too. So, ah, man. That's another game. But you have a chance to bounce back today against Georgia or tonight against Georgia Tech. And we'll talk a little bit more about that game. We're going to take a break. After the break, Lamar Jackson went to second MVP. The Super Bowl is played tomorrow. And Merrill Hodge had some questionable things about one Heisman Trophy winner and the presumed number one pick, Caleb Williams. You're listening to the Victory Formation Sports Show right here on 93.9 The Ville. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. This is Jeff Houston, and you're listening to the Victory Formation Sports Show right here on 93.9 DeVille. Yo, don't give him nothing but a microphone. Don't stop. I'm not finished yet. 
You said I'm not the E. You want to make a bet? Remember this lounge. You You're listening to the Victory Formation Sports Show right here on 93.9 The Ville. Give the show a call at 502-8150-939. Now, here's your host, Jeff Lightsey Jr. Ah, yeah, got some of that EPMD going on, James. I got to ask you. know I love trivia, man. Got to ask you some questions about this song. So the song's called You're a Customer, right? The main producer and writer on the song, Eric Sermon of EPMD. Do you know who sampled this song, by the way? Another famous producer slash writer, you know, Sampled this song, do you know? Have a, yeah, it, like always, it sounds familiar. Um, I'm thinking it's that biggie, 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 can't you see? But I don't know. Not quite, but it was from Bad Boy. Okay, so, okay. I don't want to know. Mario Winans, Bad Boy. I oh, don't yeah, yeah, want to yeah. know. I should have yeah. known. If you're playing, keeps the same beat. And then it got sampled again last year by another big time producer and singer, performer, The Weeknd. The Weeknd and Metro Boomin' song called Creepin'. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, now listen to this, James. It's crazy. So Eric Sermon was actually talking about this. He owns, so, you know, The Weeknd is actually the biggest artist in the world, like streaming-wise. He he gets more than Taylor Swift, more than Drake. He's, he's actually the biggest on Spotify anyway. Eric Sermon owns 4% of The Weeknd's record that sampled You're a Customer. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you have, he said, every four months... Any guess on how much he makes from the streaming? You know, they always say streaming don't make no money. Any guess on how much you think he makes every four months? Every four months? Wow. Uh, I'll guess. Um, well, give me a, a hint. Is it six figures? <laughs> yeah, six figures. <laughs> Let's go 300,000. 240. So you was close. Okay, 240. 240 for a song he wrote 30 years ago. <laughs> and he don't got nothing to do. So he just had to clear the sample. He gets 240000 because the weekend wow, is wow. so big. And because, you know, because they always say there's no money in, in streaming. No, there's no money in if you don't own your publishing. And Eric owns the publishing to that record. So he owns 4% of the weekend's record. And he gets 240000 every four months. I heard him talking wow. about that recently. It was pretty, pretty cool, by the way. So... Uh, now that we're done with our music history, on to some NFL history as Lamar Dontavious Jackson. I don't know what his middle name is, but I just like it the way it sounded on Twitter. Mr. Jackson won his second league MVP this week. He won his first one, of course, back during the 2019 season. His second league MVP this weekend, the yeah, boy was fly up there at the NFL honors, by the way. Nonetheless, Lamar Jackson becomes the first Literally the first ever Heisman Trophy winner to win two MVPs. He's got two league MVPs, three Pro Bowls, and two all first-team All-Pros, all before his 20, really before his 27th birthday. He just turned 27 in January. But before his 28th birthday, shout-out to Lamar Jackson. You are a GOAT. You are a Hall of Famer. Like, argue with your mama. Lamar's going to the Hall of Fame. When you do something and you one of one, like I'm saying one of one, meaning you the only one there. Because think of all the big-time league MVPs, the guys that won it multiple times, the Patrick Mahomes, the Tom Brady's, the Peyton Manning's. As good as Peyton was, and some of y'all say he was robbed, none of them won Heisman Trophy winners. None of them were Heisman Trophy winners. Lamar has already cemented himself. He has his jersey retired at Louisville. He will one day have a statue. Because we give United a statue, we got to give Lamar a statue. He's done everything United has done except for winning. Well, United's never won a Super Bowl. But Lamar's getting that statue, by the way. He's got his jersey retired, his number retired. 
And now when you're one of one, the only Heisman Trophy winner to win two league MVPs, yeah, you're a surefire, bona fide, college football Hall of Famer, pro football Hall of Famer, and you were able to do it all before your 28th birthday. That is amazing. Now, the question that I pose to you guys, because the only knock on Lamar, and the only reason why people still have these weak, garbage, stereotypical arguments against him is the fact that he doesn't have a Lombardi trophy to his name. And this year, specifically this year, this this 23 season, the 24 playoffs, was his best chance so far. That's not to say that he's his powers are just going to diminish and he's going to be a garbage football player moving forward. But so far through, what, six years of his NFL career, this was his best year. And they lost. And the team that they lost to has a quarterback that has a lot of the same accomplishments, not the college ones, but all the same NFL pro accomplishments. The only difference is he has two more. Well, technically four more if you're from the same game. He has two Super Bowl championships and two Super Bowl MVPs. And that is the same guy that will be playing for his third Super Bowl championship and his third Super Bowl MVP tomorrow. And that is one Patrick Devontae Mahomes. I don't know if his middle name's Devontae. I'm just giving him because, you know, they, they skin folk over here. Regardless, the question that I pose to you guys, the audience, 8150-939 is the number. 8150-939 is the call-in number. 3831-939 is the text line. The question that I pose to you with Lamar and his greatness and how good he is, and he's amazing, he's spectacular, and he can do everything that we all always wanted to Like, this is his career so far is I – don't, I don't know if anybody predicted this. I mean, I don't even know if Lamar would have predicted by the time he's 28 he'd have two league MVPs, three Pro Bowls, and two first-team All-Pros. Like, I don't know if Lamar would say would have said, oh, yeah, I'll be a Hall of Famer by the end of year six. Remember, he didn't even start the beginning of the season his rookie year. They drafted him when they had a starting quarterback that had won them a Super Bowl, that being Joe Flacco. Regardless, 8150, 93.9, 38.31, 93.9 is the text line. Was Lamar just born during the wrong year? <laughs> this might sound crazy, but there are all-time greats all-time greats, that if their birthday was just five years earlier or five years later, they'd be all-time greater. Like, they'd be in some GOAT conversations. But then when you do have a GOAT during your era, it just makes it tough. And right now, this is the Mahomes era. I hate to say it. Lamar Jackson is a great, great all-time player like a top 15 quarterback of all time already. He's just happened to be born and happened to be in the same conference and happened to be around the same age as a guy that may go down as the greatest ever. And that's unfortunate. I mean, like, There's no other way to put it. There's no other way to put it. Because now we're, we're not having these conversations about Josh Allen because, I mean, Josh Allen did nothing. Yeah, he's lost to Mahomes a bunch of times, but he ain't got no accolades. Hell, they gave him Lamar's unanimous. They 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 blew the no hitter, the the second unanimous MVP because of Josh Allen. So get Josh Allen up out of here. Joe Burrow don't got what Lamar got. Justin Herbert, all these guys, y'all be telling me is better. Not y'all necessarily, but I, they the folks on TV and the folks on national radio tell me is better than Lamar. Don't got what Lamar got. They don't have MVPs. They don't have these Pro Bowls. They don't have these All-Pros. Even during the Mahomes era, Lamar has collected some nice hardware. 
He just hasn't collected the thing that means the most to him, and that is the Super Bowl. And we've seen this in sports. Yeah, y'all don't think Charles Barkley would have liked if, if Michael Jordan was born five years later? <laughs> y'all don't think like some of those dudes from the '90s, Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, uh, Hakeem, end up squeezing through while Jordan was messing around with a baseball bat? Dude, get back on the basketball court. This is not you. This and he got back on the basketball court and prevented everybody from winning again. Y'all don't think that the Sacramento Kings? Would have liked if Shaq was a little older or younger? Y'all don't. I mean, I mean, y'all don't think that. I mean, if Shaq wasn't around, Chris C. Webb wouldn't be walking around here with a championship or two. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, y'all don't think uh, Phil Mickelson would have wished a Tiger Woods was born in '95 like me instead of playing in '90, turning pro in '95. Y'all don't think like greats keep other greats from winning. Phil Mickelson is amazing at golf. He may be like a top five golfer ever. Y'all don't think he would be closer to number one if Tiger Woods was born in '95 and not playing in '95? Y'all don't think y'all don't think uh, Charles Barkley, an all-time great, top fifty, top seventy-five player, Wilt Chamberlain? You don't think he would wish Bill Russell would have been born in the '80s instead of in the '40s whenever he was born? Like all-time greats prevent other greats from from honestly reaching the platitude, the apex. And I think we're having a bit of that with Lamar Jackson. The only difference in those cases, the only difference in those cases that I just named, the Michael Jordan, the Tiger Woods, the Bill Russells, is that we recognize. We recognize during those like, hey, Wilt Chamberlain was amazing. Just had to run into Bill Russell and the Celtics. Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing, these guys were amazing. Just had to run into Michael Jordan. Like, Michael Jordan kept them. I mean, before Jordan, it was Magic and Bird. Like, you don't think some of them teams in the 80s would have wished Magic and Bird would have came out 10 years earlier or 10 years later? Like, hey, deal with Jordan. Deal with that guy in y'all prime. Let, let us do some things in the NBA. And they saved the NBA. I know the NBA ain't hoping, wishing they was born 10 years later. Because it might not be no NBA as we know it if they was born 10 years later. Regardless. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, the, think about the 80s. Magic, <laughs> Magic went to nine finals in a what, 11, 12-year period. <laughs> I don't think the Western Conference wished Magic and Kareem wasn't around. Nine finals in 12 years? Get out of here. It don't even sound real. Like, knock it off. Cut it out. Stop it. And so I'm saying, all I'm saying is, if you look at Magic or Bird or Michael or Tiger Woods, we all acknowledge, like, yo, this is like some legendary stuff. Like, we get it. We don't hold it against Charles Barkley or Patrick Ewing. I mean, maybe somewhat, but they're like, yo, you played during the Jordan era. It wasn't your fault. Oh, Tom Brady. Like, we don't hold it against all of them quarterbacks that didn't win nothing because Tom Brady was winning everything. Or if he wasn't winning, he was getting there. I don't hold it against all those AFC quarterbacks. I mean, Peyton Manning statistically is one of the best quarterbacks ever. He only has two Super Bowls because of Tom Brady. And I'm saying I'll let to say a lot of people unfairly hold stuff against Lamar Jackson, and he just happened to be born around the same time as another dude. <laughs> this dude just happened to be one of the best we've ever seen, Patrick Mahomes. So that's no knock to Lamar. And I think Lamar is going to eventually break through. 
But do I think he'll finish with more Super Bowls than Mahomes? Probably not. Probably not. Because one, think about the situations. Think about the situations that both quarterbacks came into into the league. And this is why I hold Lamar in such high regard, way higher than most people. Patrick Mahomes was drafted. He was drafted 10th overall, but the Chiefs were picking at 27. Like, they were picking at pick 27. They traded up 17 spots to get Patrick Mahomes. You're only at 27 if you're a good freaking team. Like, like bad teams aren't drafting at 27 as your natural drafting spot. They were picking at 27 because they, they had made the playoffs five consecutive years. They had the fastest man on the planet at the time on the roster when Mahomes got drafted and a top three tight end in the league and Travis Kelsey and the number one offensive mind in the league before there was a McVay or a Cal Shanahan or a McDonald. All of the, Before it was all these guys that are like the new Brainiac young dudes. Yeah, it's been Andy Reid. It's been that guy running the show as the offensive wizard in the league. That's where Patrick Mahomes went. And then for his whole first year, he didn't have to play. He played one game in his whole first year. And he was able to learn and soak all of that up. And then the second year, he just took off like a rocket ship and had 50 touchdowns and won league MVP. Regardless, he got drafted into a pretty good situation. Let's look at Lamar Jackson's situation. Very stable, very stable organization with a, with a stable coach. But y'all, do y'all forget John Harbaugh was on the hot seat when Lamar got drafted? Did people forget that the Ravens were pretty stale after that Super Bowl run with Joe Flacco? The Ravens were stale. Very stale. Ed Reed moved on. Uh, Terrell Suggs moved on. Ray Lewis retired. Uh, the GM that drafted uh, the GM that drafted all those guys retired. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Regardless. All those guys had moved on and retired. When Lamar came and Flacco was stale, very, very stale. Like on his last leg, they paid him all that money. His contract was about over and they were ready to move on. He gets hurt, insert Lamar Jackson. They finish the season six and one. And he leads them to the playoffs. That's what Lamar got put into. So I'm just saying, man, like this dude is special. I think a lot of people take for granted, like what he's able to do because of his accent, because the way he dressed. Because of the way he looks, because he hangs out with Kodak Black. <laughs> like These aren't the things that Peyton Manning was doing. These aren't the things that Patrick Mahomes is doing right now. These aren't the things that Tom Brady was doing. But he ain't got to be them. He's Lamar, and he's not them. And they don't have the background and the history. See, these are things you typically see out of like a lot of receivers and running backs and DBs, like the, the swag and the bravado and the, the, the kids loving you and the athletic ability. It's Lamar Jackson, man. And now he has the accolades, Hall of Fame credentials. He just needs that one last thing, man. Ah, and I just want him to do it so bad. Like, so, so bad. He just happened to be born around the same time as another all-time great. That's Patrick Mahomes, man. <laughs> Lamar's born in, what, like, 97? Mahomes born in 96? Ugh, God. Golly, man. But Lamar wins the second MVP. I think this is kind of a Tiger Woods, Tom Brady thing with Pat Mahomes. But even during the Brady era, even during, even though that Brady era spanned two decades, you saw Ben Roethlisberger get in there and get two of them things. You saw Aaron Rodgers sneak in and get one. You saw Peyton Manning end up breaking through and getting this first one with the Colts and then the second one with Denver. I think Lamar Jackson can, can get in there 
and get him a Super Bowl or two, man. He might not finish with however many Mahomes finishes with, but all Lamar, man, the day Lamar Jackson wins the Super Bowl, oh my gosh. The the city of Baltimore and the city of Louisville will both go up. <laughs> Baltimore and Louisville will be acting like we're we're the the, the Baltimore Louisville Ravens. <laughs> we carry their state, we carry their games right here on 93.9. We do all of that stuff. Like we we're all ready for Lamar to win that Super Bowl. I think, James, we are going to take that last break, take one more break, and then we're going to close this up talking about the Super Bowl and Louisville's game against Georgia Tech. You're listening to the Victory Formation Sports Show right here on 93.9 of Ville. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. original track play-ins man it's always awesome and i'm a big 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 music person the victor formation sports show is what you're listening to right here on 93.9 the ville don't forget you can follow us on social media at jlight7 at j-l-i-g-h-t-s-y on all social media in the number seven on all social media platforms it's twitter instagram youtube wherever you wherever you get your content i am there now Speaking of content and something that creates a lot of content and a lot of eyeballs, Super Bowl. It is Super Bowl week. We've got the Kansas City Chiefs looking to officially become an NFL dynasty, going for back-to-back Super Bowls in their third and third and four years. Third and four years. They've been there four out of the five years. They're looking to have back-to-back Super Bowl wins. The first back-to-back winner trying to be the first back-to-back winner since the Patriots literally 20 years ago, going against Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, and the San Francisco 49ers, the same 49ers team, the team that is, that lost to Mahomes and the Chiefs back in 2019 or Super Bowl 54 when Mahomes won his first Super Bowl. Now, this is... I mean, this is an all-time matchup. It's like, it's so many things going on here. Like, the majority of the people are picking Kansas City to win this game, but Vegas has the 49ers as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And I kind of get why. Like, Vegas' whole thing is based on, like, they use numbers and analytics to pick it. And analytically, the 49ers have been a better team all year. 
The Chiefs have struggled with drops. The Chiefs' regular season was eh, like an eh for them. It wasn't a bad regular season. It just was eh for them. And Mahomes only had eh kind of stats for him. You know, because we've seen Mahomes throw for 50 touchdowns. We've seen Mahomes with no wide receiver one last year throw for 40-some-odd touchdowns. We've seen Mahomes do just some spectacular stuff. And this year, it was kind of like they were sleepwalking the whole season. They were kind of, I mean, they made, <clears throat> excuse me, they made enough plays to, to win games. They made enough plays to do the things that they needed to do. But at the same time, it was like, eh, this don't look like the typical t- Chiefs team. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens were dominating. And uh, and then all of a sudden, the Chiefs gave themselves a little, a little smelling salt, a little, uh, 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 couple slaps to the face, and boom, they became the Chiefs again. Come to playoffs, take care of Miami, do your thing against Buffalo, go up to MT Bank Stadium in Baltimore, and handle your own, handle your business, and get Lamar and them out the way. And now they're in their fourth Super Bowl in five years, looking to win their third, and looking to officially etch themselves as a dynasty in this league. And once again, to, to get Pat Mahomes kind of going in that GOAT conversation. Not to say that he is the GOAT. Not to say that he will be the GOAT. He's just, he's now inching and inching and inching closer to that conversation if he gets his third Super Bowl win in only seven seasons to go along with his two MVPs, his two first-team All-Pros, his three or four Pro Bowls or whatever it is. Now, on the other side, you have the San Francisco 49ers and specifically their head coach, Cal Shanahan, and their GM, John Lynch, because they continue to put together these teams that have these quarterbacks that nobody believes in. And for the first one, everybody was right. Jimmy G. As a Raiders, as a resident Raiders fan, trust me, they were always right about Jimmy G. Always. If you ever had a bad thing to say about Jimmy G, you was always right. Literally every single time, 100 out of 100. And they still could have won that Super They were up. They were winning in that Super Bowl four years ago with Jimmy G. And last year, they looked like the best team all year last year. All of their quarterbacks got hurt. Jimmy G, Trey Lance, and then their ultimate savior, Mr. Brock Purdy, they all got hurt. And they had to play the Eagles with Christian McCaffrey, the running back, playing quarterback. So it was kind of wasn't fair. Now this year... Once again, you're doing things with a guy that nobody really believes in. Like, if we're just being honest, nobody really believes Brock Purdy is a Super Bowl winning type of quarterback. I say all of that to say he's one win away from being a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Mr. Irrelevant, in the same draft that you took Trey Lance third overall, you drafted a kid with the last pick of the draft. Typically, those guys don't even make it through training camp. And Brock Purdy not only made it through training camp, last year he had you in the NFC Championship game. And his encore performance, he has you in the Super Bowl. Winning the FedEx Pat, uh, you know, Air Award, coming in like fourth place in MVP voting, throwing for over 4,000 yards, and just come from behind victories in the last two wins, both over Green Bay and over the Lions. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm not the biggest Brock Purdy fan. I think you can see it. A lot of the reason why they have to come from behind in those last two games is because of the bad play of Brock Purdy. He's the reason why they're losing. (laughs) He's the reason. Regardless, 
He made the plays that needed to be made to win those games, regardless of how you feel. And if Brock Purdy wins this Super Bowl tomorrow, which he has a very good chance to do, once again, Vegas, even with 60, like 60 some odd percent of the money coming in on the Chiefs, that line hasn't moved. Let me repeat, 65% of the bets are on the Chiefs either money line or taking the points. They're on the Chiefs, 65% of the bets. And that line, typically when that happens, goes down. That line hasn't moved. It has. It's still at two and a half, the last I checked, for the 49ers. Meaning Vegas thinks the 49ers are going to win. And a lot of people think the 49ers are going to win. And if you think that, it's because you believe Brock Purdy can actually get it done. You believe Brock Purdy, and he's going to have his full array of weapons, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, and CMC. You believe in those guys. Trent Williams on the offensive line. You believe in all of those guys. And believe with all of those guys and their powers and fully healthy, with rest, no matter if a fire alarm goes off at 6 a.m. or whatever, three days before the game, whatever. You believe that they can beat Kansas City. Here's my only thing. The weakest part of San Francisco recently has been what a lot of people have always considered one of their strengths. That's the defense. And that defense was letting Jordan Love cook them up. That defense was letting Jared Goff cook them up and it's no disrespect to jordan love who looks like he could end up being a star in this league after a lot of people thought he'd be trash from from week one to the playoffs he looked like a completely different quarterback he looked like he'd really be a star and no disrespect to jared jared goff who's taken a team to a super bowl before and had his these detroit lions had the detroit lions win a division for the first time in like 30 years and had them in the nfc championship game for the first time since 91 so there's no disrespect to either one of them they ain't Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> we just spent like 10 minutes in the last segment talking about Mahomes in the Jordan, Tiger Woods, Tom Brady air, keeping Lamar from winning the Super Bowl. So if he's that dude, which he has been, I think he could have some success. And Andy Reid, him and Andy Reid have had two weeks to, to decipher and, and chop up this San Francisco defense. The same defense that they put up points again and won a Super Bowl against four years ago, which is not as good as that defense. Now, the Chiefs' offense isn't as good, but their defense is a whole lot better. So I'll, I say all of that to say, we are in the era of Mahomes. And Mahomes, he's going to win another one. And I think he's going to put up some points to do it. I'm thinking 31 24. 31-24 Chiefs win in the Super Bowl. You hear Larry June, that means it is time for me to go. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for listening to the Victory Formation Sports Show right here on 93.9 The Ville. For my executive producer, James Black, Jeff Houston, and myself, thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next time. Peace.